where we get to see one another and praise God and honor Christ. Um, but before we start, I just want to pray um, according to the word of God. Our God and our Father, you're so powerful, you're so great, you're in heaven, you're holy dwelling, and we're on earth. We're so little, we're so small, we're so irrelevant, Lord, but you, O oh God, According to your words in the scriptures, you care for us. You love us. You have mercy on us. You have compassion on us. You don't deal with us according to all of our failures. You're a perfect father. We as men are so imperfect in our leadership, in the way that we treat others and guide others and encourage others. But you, God, perfectly treat your children. You perfectly honor them. You perfectly reward them. You perfectly discipline them. You perfectly deal with us. And for this, I praise you. I thank you for helping us to come to you through Jesus, for bringing us near to you, making us sons as we heard from our brother Kyle. We're children of God through Christ. I pray, God, that you have mercy on us, that we would see how great you are today, that our minds, according to the word that I have intended to share and I pray is on your heart, that you would just set our minds on things above, on heavenly things. That our minds would not be so stuck here on earth. That you would give grace to your servant to serve you, to do your will, to proclaim your truth with all boldness, with clarity, with everything that's necessary, God, to honor your name. None of us can do this task. None of us are able to bear the weight of this task. We can get so lost, Lord, in trying to impress people or show people something, but God, let us show one thing. Let us show one thing in this time and let it be all that you are. That's what people need to see here today, God. They need to see everything that you are. They don't need to see anybody but you and your son, Jesus Christ. So I'm praying, God, that you would just use me as a vessel without strength, without anything, God. Use me as a vessel, if it would be your will. And glorify your name this day through this word that is shared. I pray you touch each person's heart, God, according to this word, that every person, including myself, Lord, that we would leave this place more encouraged to seek God through Jesus Christ, to love the Lord Jesus Christ, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, to be near to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
for all that he was on earth, though he is in heaven, he is the same person. He has the same attitude and mindset and character. That love and compassion he brought down to us, that friendliness that he brought to us, sincere friendliness that he brought to us, he still has. And so we just pray that as we honor him, tremble before him, respect him, that we would also know how much we're loved by him and how much he cares for us. I pray, God, this word would be clear again. And I ask this through the Lord Jesus alone. Amen. Amen. Um, God bless you guys again. Uh, if you guys don't have your Bible, please get your Bible. Um, we're in church if that reminder is necessary. Um, and we're going to look at a portion of the book of Colossians. And that's going to be in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 1 through 4, okay? So if you don't have your Bible, please get one. Please have your Bible. This is, a, uh, we could say, a large Bible study, I guess. But it's not. Um, and let's, let's hear from the Word of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So you guys can see why um, title there, Minds on Things Above. Right? Paul's expression here, or his speech here, is pretty clear. He wants our minds on things that are above, but there is a context to this um, that I want to address. And so if you can scan with me, if, you, if you're willing, um, from chapter 1, we're going to do a brief consideration of where this is coming from. Right, the, book's, the book of Colossians. So Paul is writing to the believers in a city called Colossae. Um, and the first thing he starts with in, in this letter is, thankfulness to God, right? He's thankful to God for the fact, if you look at verse 3 and 4, right? He's thankful to God because ever since he heard of their faith, right? Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, right? We, th we always thank God, verse 3, right? He's thankful to God. That's how he starts this letter. And for the same reason, he prays to God that they might be granted spiritual graces. You find this in verse 9 through 11. Knowledge of his will, fruitfulness, 
and endurance in the faith. These things so that he, they might live lives that are pleasing to God. And he lays out, he finds this opportunity to lay out the glory of Christ in our salvation. Verses 12 through 23, the glory of Christ as the preeminent one, superior to all names. And this is really where it gets close to why he says what he says in chapter 3, why he uses that, if then you have been raised with Christ. There's a context to that. And it starts with describing his ministry to the body of Christ. Right. As he describes that, he begins to express a concern he has for the body. You can see that in verse 4 and in verse 8 of chapter 2. He says in verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. All that Paul is doing, revealing the mysteries of God, verse 26 of chapter 1, the mysteries hidden for ages, right, to make the Word of God fully known, struggling with all His energy, right, that is the energy and power of Christ, that He powerfully works within me. Right. To reach all the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, Paul is saying these things so that no one may delude us with plausible arguments. In other words, arguments that seem like, oh, yeah, maybe you're right. Something that captures us. He puts it another way in verse 8. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to who? Not according to Christ. Right. Simply put, the church should not be led astray into self made religion. Right? Things that only appear spiritual but cannot keep the heart from indulging in the flesh. Self-made religion. Human precepts and teachings, right? Which are not the means by which we define God's doctrine and teaching. Right? It's important to know what God has to say. Right? It's important to know what God wants us to do. These are, I'm, I'm speaking on a very basic level, low level about this. Right? I think that's how every uh, teaching should be. But it's, it's important to consider that. Because that makes sense of what he says. When he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, right? seek the things that are above he doesn't want people, if you look at chapter 2 and verse 20 and verse 23, right? He doesn't want them to submit to regulations as if they're the doctrine of God. He doesn't want them to think that God's teaching is something which it is not. Right? Again, only having the appearance of wisdom but are of no value 
in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so with that context, I want to consider what Paul is trying to get us um, to think about in, in chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. And it's a twofold renewal, okay? A twofold renewal. There are two ways in which our mind should be renewed. And we can see this not only here, but in the rest of the scripture. The first way that our mind should be renewed, if we look at this in light of the rest of scripture, is our spiritual conformity to God's likeness in our daily living. You see that in verse 5. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. In light of this, put to death what is earthly in you. Right? And verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is definitely a part of what Paul is trying to communicate to us as believers. And we're going to talk about why this is important, like why it's important for us to be spiritually conformed to the likeness of God in our daily living. But there's another thing that I, I'm sure that Paul wants us to consider in light of this, right? And that's the renewal of our hopes and our longings. What we set our heart upon, ultimately. What are you looking forward to, ultimately? Right? Uh, this was like actually the first sermon that I shared um, at some point late in July. That was what it was about is the hope that God is providing. Right? In other words, the hope that God wants us to have. There's a hope that the world wants you to have, and you guys are familiar with this, but it's good to repeat it. Right? There's a hope the world wants you to have that is, it has holes in it, if you really think about it. They'll say, like, hope in a family, a nice life with a wife, kids, a large backyard, a nice job, or whatever makes you happy. Hope in those things. Right? But we saw and we'll see again today, this is not what God wants us to ultimately hope in or look forward to. And that's going to be a huge emphasis in the teaching today um, of God's Word. But let's start with the renewal of our spiritual conformity. What, what, is, what does that even look like? What does that even mean? Well, I'll tell you the first thing it doesn't mean. You don't have to be born again twice. right? Um, when Paul is saying, right, again, verse 10, right, and having have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator, that renewal is not the same renewal that we experience in regeneration. When you come to Christ, your heart is transformed. It doesn't mean you become perfect. It doesn't mean you honor the will of God wholly and completely and without failure. 
right? But what it does mean is that your affection, the direction of it has changed. Questions need to start coming up as this is being shared. Where is the affection of your heart? That could be one question. We need to ask ourselves if we're saved. We need to think about that. Because there are consequences. And I think consequences are the only thing that make us think about things seriously. Right? But we'll talk more about that. All this simply means is that we're being renewed. We're being transformed daily in our knowledge and conformity, again, uh, to God's likeness found in Christ Jesus. You see in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, Put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Right? And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When we come to Christ, we've set our commitments in a different direction. Our commitment is to pleasing God through the truth of Christ. We're sanctified through the teaching of Christ found in the Gospels and through His Apostles' teaching. Put on the new self. We know it's through the Word of Christ because Jesus Himself said, right? Sanctify them in your truth. Your Word is truth. And we know it's through these apostles because Jesus said, I don't ask for these only, but for also for those who believe in me through their word. We know when Jesus was praying in the garden, he literally explicitly said to God, I'm not praying for the world. Right? I'm praying for those that you've given to me. So in light of that, When he says, I don't ask for these only, he's talking about his apostles. And he also goes on to say, but for those who will believe in me through their word. The words of the apostles are so critical, equally critical as the Lord's because they're not speaking from themselves. They're speaking from Christ, the Lord. That's how we think about this. It's really simple. It doesn't require an hour to explain that. We're being transformed in our knowledge and our conformity to God's likeness. That's our spiritual renewal. But now we need to talk about the renewal of our hopes and our longings all over Scripture. And this is, this is why I want to emphasize this. All over Scripture, we find this reality that there is a, 
something that's going to happen on God's redemptive agenda that needs to be critical to us. And it's not... <laughs> the top priority is not like the fact that the Red Sea or dried up or something that has to do with biblical prophecy that people get stuck on. Those things are important. Those things are good to consider. But what's the great event that we're looking for in God's timetable? The return of Christ. That's a huge thing. When I, sometimes when I say that in public, I almost kind of shake. Because it's just not even, we don't even think about that a lot. We hear, you know, Jesus is coming, be ready, all these things, right? You understand that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is coming back? The one raised from the dead is coming back? The Lord of the whole universe, the one who's going to send people to heaven and to hell, the one who has authority over every single soul in the universe, the one who can determine whether you rejoice for eternity or whether you're troubled for eternity, the one who loved you, the one who gave up his own life for you, let alone his like crucifixion, I'm telling you, if you just look at his life, he gave up his life in some sense before the cross in the way that he dealt with us. He denied himself daily in the way that he dealt with us. And that's what I mean by, I'm not teaching some strange doctrine here, okay? Like, that's what I mean by he gave up his life. He denied himself daily for us. Or in that context, for those who were present, his disciples, those who heard him. Right? Jesus is coming back. It's not just a New Testament idea. This is all over God's prophetic word in the Old Testament. That's how we know this is, this is not some thing that somebody's just saying like out of their pocket. Like, this is real. We need to see that. We need to see that Jesus Christ is coming back again in a way you can see and observe. Do I just want to get people on their toes and excited like we're in a charismatic fellowship? No. Jesus Christ is coming back again like somebody walking through that door. You're going to see Him. This is serious. This is something to like really think about and motivate us in everything that we do and it's the concern of the disciples and the apostles all throughout the new testament and and that's where i want you to impart open your bible here let's look at um first peter chapter 1 verse 13 we're going to look at three places in scripture today that support the um point made in colossians First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 
We're going to hear this from three different servants of Christ. From Paul, from Jude, and from Peter when we look at those other sections. To really establish ourselves in this point. I don't think it's unclear to a lot of you here. But I think the reality of this is something we need to just be more acquainted with. So, chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, what? What should we do? Set what? Your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at what? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. You, like, fully... Fully. I don't know what a lot of us in here hoping. I don't know. I don't know what we think about daily and just like look forward to or I don't know. I have no idea. I could have some suggestions just because of trends like on the internet. But I don't know at the core of your being what you hope in what you think about, what you are looking forward to. If you are looking forward to anything, I don't even know. But either you do or you don't. And the only acceptable thing in the sight of God is if our hope is according to His that He's providing for us. That's the only acceptable thing in the sight of God. So let's like no longer decide to ignore this or be ignorant about it or like think about it like a light thing. Like, do I really got to have hope? <laughs> do I really got to like think about that? Like, do I really got to have a mindset where wherever I'm at, I'm kind of just like, Jesus is coming back. Do you? Why wouldn't you? Well, <laughs> right. Sometimes I have to ask myself that kind of question when I'm thinking about scriptural truth. I say, like, do I really have to suffer? Do I really have to like go through that for the Lord? Do I really have to share his word with people? Do I really have, not in hope necessarily, but like, do I have to evangelize? Do I have to say something to this person? What's wrong with me? <laughs> that shows how blind I am. That shows how dumb I am. That shows how ignorant I am of how worthy Christ is of honor and glory. But isn't that how we kind of think often? Maybe not everybody. Maybe some of you are honoring the Lord like the way we should. But if that's you too, if in your sanctification you're here, how should we start praying? Make me willing. Like, what's wrong with me, Lord? Like, make me willing. Make me more than glad 
to like do the things you want me to do instead of questioning do I really have to do it instead of being so blind and looking at things through my own lens of whether this is going to be beneficial or not or good or not help me to see what I see through your lens because you're seeing that this is perfect you're seeing that this is exactly what needs to happen this is exactly what you should do and this is amazing but I'm like stuck. I'm the one shaking. I'm the one trembling when your word is clear. So set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's Peter. Let's look at what Jude has to say. This is the book before the book of Revelation. It's, it's hidden there. It's one, uh, you could say one chapter. Um, it's, it could be easy to pass through, pass over. So the book of Jude, let's look at verse 20 to 21. Book of Jude, verse 20 to 21. It says this, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for what? Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Waiting. That's the posture of our heart. We're waiters. Not like... I don't know if that's what they mean by that in the service, like restaurant service, but like we're people who wait. That's what I'm trying to say, right? I don't have to be a genius to share the, <laughs> the scriptures here, right? Just got to try to know what God's saying. We have to be people who are waiting. People who are looking forward to it. Do you want to leave today? Like, I came to church today, and when I came to church today, this is just like every Sunday, I sit here for an hour, just kind of wait for this to be over, and then once it's over, just talk, chill with who I know, like say what's up, and then go home and you know, when families having worship time on Thursday or Tuesday or whatever, I'm there. And we read and we pray. You want to leave and go like that? <laughs> Again? <laughs> More than that, you know, kind of where I can find myself. You want to be someone who is concerned with Scripture? Someone who's like concerned about the truth of God and honoring the will of the Lord and you know making sure that I try to keep a clear conscience about things. But then you leave and you don't have any hope. You don't have anything that like you carry with you and you say, like, yo, like I got something. You don't have. Like, I'm not here to boast, but like I got something that like you don't have, I want to give it to you too. Kind of. 
I got hope. I got hope. I got something like I got something that I can actually look forward to. Even if I can't have like the Ford F-150 lightning truck, right? XLT model, like submodel, like, yo, I got something. Even if I can't like sit with them at school, fine, I got something. Even if I can't do this or do that, whatever, I have something. It's not money. Like it's, 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 It has nothing to do with that. It's not anything that money can buy. It's a gift. It's the gift of God. It's the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that I'm waiting for. And then let's look at one more passage um, in the book of Philippians. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. Chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. Listen to what the apostle says. Listen, just listen. Listen to what the apostle says. But our, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. i got to keep asking the question, are we like that? Do you sound like that? Or are you sleeping in the middle of God's work? Do you even care? You're going to miss out if that's where you are every day, if that characterizes you every day. It's not because you slept, like, that's not the problem. Get the point. If your heart is not on Christ, if you don't love Christ at all, forget heaven. <laughs> forget it. Like, you got to repent. You shouldn't be worried about, like, heaven right now. Is this how we think, guys? Like, we don't need to be pretenders. Like, God already knows the fullness of all that we are, and like, there's nothing hidden in His sight about us as people. Just really, you don't, you don't share anything with anybody here. Fine. Are you thinking like that? If it's no, it's no. Like, don't delay the answer. Like, are you thinking like that? You can be. I'm not saying there are some people who aren't, like the Apostle Paul was. But for those of us who are not, 
We need to be thinking like that. It's for our own joy, even, that we have this hope. <laughs> Let alone honoring the will of God, because this is God's will for us, that we should think this way, right? How good is God? Like, do, you, do we hear what God is looking for us to do? It's like, I don't even know what to compare it to. It's like, I don't even know. Like, right now, I'm literally going blank. I don't even know. I've never really seen that on a daily basis. It's so rare you can't even find something like it. Where somebody is, like, giving you something amazing, and what they're requiring from you about it is to just be consumed by that. I, I've never experienced that personally. I mean, not that I know of at this point in time. Right? What is that? It's amazing. Like, really, it's amazing. Is, does, do we have this hope, guys? I'm not telling you, like, just heaven the way that Anybody, any other religion says heaven. I'm saying heaven according to God in the scripture. The one true God. Because there's no other God. Are we thinking about heaven the way he is? Are, are, are we thinking about the things attached to our experience in his presence? Right? The mercy, the grace... The glory we're going to experience through Jesus Christ. Because Christ needs to be glorified and God needs to be glorified in this too. Right? But this is the way that God and Christ are glorifying themselves. It's by the work that is done. By giving us eternal life, right? By showing us mercy on that day and giving us hope, right? This is how God is glorifying himself and how Christ is glorifying himself. And so I, 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 I want us to see this. This is the heart of the disciple, right? How do I know that? Who are these men? Like, at the very least, we know about Peter, right? Definitely know about Peter. He's a disciple. He's one of those disciples who saw Christ risen from the dead. He's one of those disciples that we could say, like, or he could say, like, follow me as I follow Christ kind of thing. This is the heart of a disciple. He's not the Lord Jesus. Peter's not Jesus. Newsflash. Like, it's, it, Peter is not Jesus. He's a disciple. Paul's not Jesus. He's a disciple. They don't even equate to Jesus besides their representation and authority that they speak with. They don't even equate to him. They're like us. <laughs> Besides those privileges, 
this is the heart they had. This is the heart they told the church to have that they were writing to. We're concerned about what God is going to do next. Right? Christ came one time in the flesh. He's coming again. And we need to be like somebody says something to you like maybe you don't need to say it out loud but something that might throw you off your game or something. Something that might like I don't know, overwhelm you. Like, why is this overwhelming me? Like, you know what I mean? It's not just simply Jesus is coming back. There are so many things that are going to happen when he's coming back. You should probably worry about that. More than whatever is overwhelming you to the point where you're frozen as a human being. we got to have our hearts set upon the goodness of God that's going to be displayed when we receive eternal life, right? And more than that, or on top of that, I should say, um, the eternal rewards that we're going to get for our ways here on earth if we're in Christ. It's not just eternal life God is giving to us. It's rewards for faithfulness here. It's not like in heaven there is no distinction and honor that God is going to give to men. This is all over what Christ says. The one who was given much, much is going to be given back to him. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians, concerning the day of judgment, like each of us are going to be commended according to our faithfulness before God, according to our work. Before God. I don't have to say we're not saved by works. You just heard how sinful I am. Like, how could I ever be saved by <laughs> by works? Right? We're saved by the gift of God in Christ. The forgiveness we receive for our sins. We're freed from the consequence of sin through Jesus. And his death on that cross. But there is a reward for those who believe. And maybe we'll talk about that next week. So why does this matter? Right? I said we're gonna we're gonna touch that. I think some of you already can see why that matters. I don't think there's much of a need of explanation there, but in case we don't, if you neglect God's will. You're neglecting God. This is a uh, First Thessalonians chapter four, uh, verse three. It says, "For this is the will of God, your sanctification." And he goes on to explain what that even means, right? Your sanctification. When you go down to verse seven, he says, "For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness." Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, 
If you disregard the will of God, what do you think you're doing? You're disregarding God. It's God's word. You're disregarding the person behind the words. Why is, this, why is it important that we are being transformed daily? Number one reason, you're disregarding God. Well, what's wrong with disregarding God, you might say? I don't know if you've read your Bible too much. If you say, what's wrong with disregarding God? What do I mean by that? I don't know if you've seen the way that God deals with people. Enough to ask that question. You ask, what's wrong with disobeying God? What's wrong with disregarding the will of God? Well, maybe you don't know that Moses, the man of God, wasn't allowed into the promised land. You say, oh, that's light. Maybe you don't know that David, right, the man after God's own heart, his child was killed, right, for his disobedience. You say, that's nothing. I think we just, we need to see how serious disobedience is in the Bible. And I, I would just recommend a few books from the Scripture. Book of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, Lamentations. See how people are crying at the judgment of God. See how people are weeping at the fact that they're eating their, they have to eat their own children. Who's the one behind this? Oh, it's the devil. God would never, ever judge us like that. The devil is God's devil, if you get what I'm saying. There's nothing that the devil does outside of God's will and permission. Right? The devil can't do something unless God grants it to happen. So whether it's a secondary means by which God is doing it or God is the primary cause, God is the one who's allowing it to take place. And in times in Scripture, God Himself is saying, I'm the one doing it for your sin, for your disobedience, for your transgression against my law, against me, because you've forsaken me, because you've pushed me behind your back. Because you've turned your shoulder. Because your forehead is stubborn. And you can't see. Like, we don't even see this. I could I throw one example to you in the New Testament. We, it's a constant one. It's a famous example. With a man named Ananias and Sapphira, uh, a woman named Sapphira. They lied to the apostles, and by lying to the apostles, 
because the Spirit of God was speaking and teaching and instructing through them, they lied to the Holy Spirit of God. You know what happened? The man died. <laughs> like Peter literally gave him like his uh, eulogy, I guess, before he died. It's like, how could you even think of this in your heart? Or before that, Simon, a magician, he said, I see the power of the Holy Spirit working through you guys. Give me this power too. You know what Peter did? He stopped everything he was doing. And he looked at this man and he said, God forgive you. Like, to hell with your money. You're right. Your heart is not right. Your heart is full of iniquity. And he said, if it's even possible, let God forgive you. You don't want to be people under God's God's judgment. And if you think, okay, this is just like people outside of the church, or this is people that, you know, maybe they just seem like, not like on a practical level like us, right? Where we're in a fellowship with one another, and it just seems really unrealistic something bad to happen to somebody, right? Because they sin, right? In the church of Corinth, because of their treatment of the Lord's Supper, not the supper itself, but one another in the supper. They were getting sick and dying. And who was doing it? God! As a form of discipline. Look, I don't want you to get this idea about God. The men have heard it in our study on Fridays. We're like, is that God's like disposition? He just like hates everything, everybody? No. You guys know what I said. I kept repeating it last week and the week before that. God's initial disposition toward man is of goodwill, right? He desires what's best for us. Like a father, on, even on earth, our earthly fathers, they're like that, right? We get an image of that in them too. A, a, a glimpse. Goodwill, that's God's first desire for us. All as men and women in here. Like God wants you to be saved. That's what scripture says. It's, it's, as a part of his character, an expression of his character, he says those things. For us to know him and be more informed about the way that he is, right? He says that. He wants us to repent. When you listen to the prophets, when you listen to the apostles, when you listen to Jesus Christ himself, what is the call? It's a cry, like, come, right? Like, you who don't even have money or anything to drink, like, come and buy it. Don't neglect this, right? Whoever is thirsty, let him come to me. Right? For I will give him rivers of living 
water. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread will never die. It's a cry for us, for our good. That's God's initial disposition toward us as mankind. He wants the best. Don't ever think God is this God who's just cruel. He just, like, he would never consider anything I have to say, ever. He, it's just not even his nature, right? No, that's not the God of the Bible. Can he be harsh? Yes. Can he treat very severely? Yes, absolutely. Is that his will? Like, he says, I don't even take pleasure in the death of the wicked. Live. It's not God's desire if you were to consider his character for men to just die. Does it happen? Does he command it? Does he ordain it? Yes. But all those things are to display some attribute of his, right? All that he's ordained is, is just to display the fullness of his glory. And that is the aim and goal that God has in all of Scripture, including some of the things I'm saying here with you. When he said that, right? He doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants you to know something about him. Right? When he punishes Pharaoh the way he punishes Pharaoh, he wants you to get to see something about him. When he's forbearing with Pharaoh, for, forget the punishment. Do you know what God did with Pharaoh? How many chances God gave to Pharaoh? How stubborn Pharaoh was? Do you see how God was so patient toward him? Ten times. It just takes one time for us to be like, forget you. Like, you just literally, I just gave you the clearest command. I relented of something that was going to hurt, like really destroy you. And you, you turned again? <laughs> I'll see you like never, right? So we need to see this about God. If you neglect his will, Like, what are you thinking is going to happen? You think you can, get, you can get away with doing something to me or any person in your life? Will you escape the hand of God? Will you escape the hand of God? What are some privileges that can be taken from you? Divine direction, first one. A deeper knowledge of God. Peace in knowing the truth. <clears throat> a personal assurance of one's own salvation. These things can be taken from you. You don't care about it. It probably just says something about where you're at. You don't care about divine direction? Okay. You don't care about whether you're saved? Okay. You're already very in a very bad spot at that point. That's that that has to do with why we are 
uh, or why we need to be conformed to God's likeness, right? But why is it important that we talked about our hopes, right? This is going to be the last part before the closing remarks. Why is it important that our hopes um, are renewed, right? According to God's truth, according to Christ. We kind of like we said about our conformity to His likeness. Without knowing about the hope that God is providing in the Bible, you miss out on seeing the true nature of God. As we said, what? This is the way that God displays His nature, right? What He does is how He displays what He's like. That's you too. <laughs> you, you will miss out on seeing how merciful God is on how much goodwill God has. How did you get this eternal life? Jesus, did you earn it? No. How did you get it? <laughs> Think about it. That tells us something about God. Directly it tells us something about God. If we don't think about this hope, though, this hope of heaven, of eternal life, through the grace of God in Christ, we're also missing out on what God is like. We're, then we're missing out on God Himself and Christ, His Son. What happens then? We're left weak as Christians. We're left discouraged as Christians because we don't know our God. We don't know about God. We don't know His way. As I said earlier, you just imagine he's unreachable. And if this is left unaddressed, your heart is naturally going to tend to earthly things, to temporary things. Like, unless you commit suicide, you're kind of going somewhere with this. Unless you're on the verge of that, you're heading you're blocking out the truth and you're filling it in with something else. It's going to be something. It's going to be like, I, I, I can't give you a thousand examples, but it's going to be something that you're filling your heart with that is really just temporary. That's really just, that is just only for this life kind of thing. It has no eternal relevance at all. And if you do that, you know what you're doing? You're living for no purpose at all. <laughs> if you live for an earthly thing, you're living for no purpose at all. If you're living for a reputation, you're living for no purpose at all, really, ultimately. right? If you're living to look cool in front of people, you're living for no purpose at all. If you're living to have friends, you're not living at all. If you don't live with God's hope that He's providing, you're not living. Like you're not, if you're not pursuing that, you're not pursuing anything, kind of thing. That's where you're gonna be. 
Tell me why it would be anything else. Tell me who's going to define what hope is if it's not the God of the universe. Tell me who's going to define what you can hold on to for eternity if it's not the God of the universe. Is it like a scientist that you know? <laughs> is it somebody relevant in the media? Is it Andrew Tate? Oh, it's a thousand people start looking, right? Is it him? <laughs> He's just screaming on the internet. Like, I'm not going to get into that. Is it him? I'm just mentioning relevant figures. Like, I, I've mentioned in, the, in past discussion with some of us here. Is it them that's going to tell us what hope, what hope to have? They're just giving you good advice for this life, guys. God's word does that already. Read the Proverbs. Like, you find perfect advice there. It's God who tells us what our real hope is. Without that, we're living for no purpose at all. We're not waiting for anything at all. So, what to do now? This is uh, where we're going to close. If we haven't put our faith in Jesus, if some of you guys here are still coming to church because mom brought you, like maybe the three of you guys right now who are tapping each other's shoulders and like, right? Maybe it's a good idea um, to really think about your salvation. Maybe it's like time to actually just make a decision and say like, you know, I've been going to church a long time and I'm like 18. Maybe I just don't even really care about this at all. Make your decision. Christ doesn't accept indifference. We're patient and like we'd love anybody to come and hear the word of God anytime. Don't in remain indifferent though. Right? If you haven't put your faith in Jesus as your Savior from the consequences of your sins, turn to Him. His arms are wide open if you're sincere. His, like, he's so merciful and so loving. He's the one. Remember, guys, remember, 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 if you remember anything about the Lord and his call for salvation. He's the one who came to tell us about it. His arms are open if you come to him on his terms. If you don't come to him on his terms, don't think you've come to him. You'll be forgiven. All your sins will be removed and you can have eternal life. You can die with an expectation of living again without any trouble if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we have turned to Christ, though, and acknowledged Him as our Lord and Savior, then what do we do? We continue in this word of purity, of godliness, of putting on the new self, right? 
I haven't heard that in a while. I haven't even read that in a while. As I studied this, it's really like the, what the Bible's saying a lot. Put on the new self. Created after God's likeness. Which, it's like the way God is. Right? And lastly, for everyone who is believing Christ in here, we need to constantly have our minds where? The return of Christ. The blessings coming with that. The hope that we have in that. Why not? Why not put our minds there? Why not? Is there somewhere better to put it? Doesn't mean don't go to work and like do your job. I'm not saying that. Or don't eat dinner with your friends and talk. Right? And just be like frozen like they're talking and you're like, yo, Jesus is coming back. No, like, it's not what I'm saying. Right? But let that characterize you when you have, when it's supposed to be present, let it characterize you. When it's supposed to be unveiled in discussion, let it characterize you. And even in those places when you're eating and when you're at work, what like that can find itself unveiled. You don't have to literally say it sometimes. Right? But it can be expressed. Let our hearts and minds constantly be thinking about that. Heaven. Are you thinking about coming to church on Sunday? As like an overwhelming thing? Is that what it's like you're thinking about? Are you thinking about how you need to organize for something related to church? Or are you thinking about Friday Bible study, how you need to come there? All of those things are a means, right? And they're supposed to even lead us here. <laughs> Let's have our minds in heaven. <laughs> Let's have our minds just looking forward to that. Right? Let that characterize us in everything. That is um, the word I wanted to share with you guys. Christ is promising life after death, free from sorrow, full of joy, full of like things that words can't even just grab. Words can help describe, but they can't even fully help you feel it. <laughs> So that said, let, let's pray to God. The opportunity to hear from your heart. That's where we're hearing from. When we read what the disciples and the apostles are saying, since they are speaking from Christ and Christ is speaking from you, Father, we are hearing your heart. 
for hearing all that you want us to think and know? Or should we think that the disciples are more passionate than you or our Lord Jesus Christ? No, they are only servants of God and of the Lord. They're only saying what you and Christ are trying to say to us by the Holy Spirit. So God, I just pray you help us in the name of Jesus. Not to be clever people. Just people who can put words and thoughts and ideas together. Let us be people who really see you. Who know you. Who walk with you. Who are known by you. Who are in fellowship with you. Who have put everything aside to just know you, God. Let us be people who are putting on the new self. That's your will revealed to us, God. Is that we should put on our new self created after the image of God. Help us put on compassionate hearts, kindness, all the things that come with that new self. Help us. Show us how important this is, God. Show us how important it is to honor you in our sanctification. And show us how important it is to have the hope that you are providing to us in Jesus Christ. To be mindful of it. To just fully set our minds on that. To be waiting. If anybody asks us what we're waiting for, it's not just to die. I'm just waiting till I expire. No, I'm waiting for Jesus Christ to come back and to save me. I'm waiting for Christ to give me eternal life, to give me, to put me in his own presence. The one who gives the life. I'm waiting to just be basked in the love of God and the love of Christ. I'm just waiting to be there. I'm waiting to be with them. I can't, I can't work that in my own heart, God. I can't work that in the heart of anybody here. Nobody here. But I know that you can do it. And you can do anything that you would desire. Please, God, listen to our prayers. Listen to our voices that are coming up to you through Jesus, our Lord. And please respond to us with mercy, with passion, with zeal, with minds fully set on the hope to come, on honoring you, on doing your will. Please set our minds there, God. You alone can do it. And we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you thanks because you have brought us here. You have reminded us of this. You have taught us this outside of this discussion. You have showed us Jesus Christ today. And some of us have taken it for granted, Lord. Some of us have literally been playing with each other in the middle of the sermon when we're not even five years old anymore. Some of us have been like joking when we're about to enter the real world soon. Forget the real world. This, we are in the spiritual world right now. In Christ. 
and neglect of that also has consequences, even in the real world. Help, help us to see God, all of us, each one of us. Forgive us of our sins, but we fail to honor you, Lord. We fail to prioritize this in our lives. Where, as I, I mentioned earlier, Lord, where we're people who are actually questioning why we should do what you want us to do. I know we get scared. I know we get fearful, but God, help us to be willing. Help us to be full of joy in Christ when we do your will over everything. Please hear our prayer, God. Don't let it be vain. Don't let it just be words that come up again on a Sunday. But in your mercy, attend, 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 O Lord, to our prayer and help your people in truth. Only you can do this, and our hearts are set upon your mercy, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.